Otherwise, it's too random. You know what I mean? We're in the middle of like a war in Israel. We're doing a war in Ukraine. We're doing all this other stuff. And she's like, by the way, guns, gun violence. Right, guys? Am I right? Oh, oh, whoops. Oh, that's tomorrow? Oh. The Social Psycho Confabulation with Ben and Mr. A. Oh, anyways, are we starting? Yeah. Okay, yep, um, let's go. All right, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Welcome to the podcast. Yes, Mr. A, are you going to stop saying like? I am going, everybody, listen. We've been talking next, about this before the podcast. W- before the podcast, we've spoken for about 20 minutes now simply about the fact that I cannot stop saying like and my He's actually Paris Hilton. I get this from Paris Hilton because I am of the age where I remember the rise of Paris Hilton into fame. It was very weird. It's like who is this? Just she's just rich and pretty, so she's famous and she had a sex tape or something. And there was this thing where she started saying that's hot. And then she started saying, <laughs> she kind of was the the main girl. I feel like to start saying like randomly, just for is like a new um. I don't know. And I know I've already done it a hundred times in this podcast, and I'm going to do it about a thousand more. But we all, there, everybody there was like, has filler words. The popular girls started saying it, obviously, because they also bought. They're the ones that got the coach bag and then the Vera Bradley bag and then the coach bag again and then the, you know, every, whatever. Those people caught on to the like thing. And everyone else, including myself, was like, oh my God. Everyone else was, <laughs> can uh, I say like there? Was like, that's yeah, so sure. annoying. You can't say like it. that much. It's just, maybe I just filter it out in my mind. I don't even listen for it. Every time but, you say it, I have like a yeah. mute filter on or something. But isn't in school at that age, it just got into me. It was just a... Like a virus, like a meme. Or a, or a what do you call it? Not a coping mechanism, but like a... You want to fit that, in. Yeah. You're like doing the... It's other subconscious. Thing, yeah. Yes. You, I, I can do that. Like when I'm around people... I just said it again. When I'm around people that my family from Arkansas... Social chameleon. Different accent comes out. When I'm in around Southern people, I can do that. To Kim hates it. She's like, "Why do you talk to some people like that?" And I'm like, "I, I don't even notice it. Like, I've from a kid, I didn't know what my accent was because I can kind of yeah. do a southern accent pretty well, and I don't even know if I'm doing it or if it's just one of the accents. I think they call that bi-dialectical. Apparently, it means you have high social intelligence. This is what I hear. Um, Because I recently had this problem when I was at work and we have a global company and I was working with this lady who she's from uh, Britain and she had this really interesting uh, UK accent. And I literally, this was the first time I ever met her. I started talking back to her in the middle of the call in a British accent. I was like, I cannot do it now. But it was actually crazy. It was very cringe. And (laughs) because I did not spend the whole call talking like that, I just would say certain things. And she would look very weird. And I was like, you know, it's very similar to a Southern accent. And I think I'm just trying to empathize with this person a little bit too much right now. There is. So I watched this show. It's an English or British show. And 
they throw in a lot of factoids, it's that mm. naked show. Okay. And so naked one of the attraction. things, right. And so one of the stages of the attraction is they get to hear the person's voice mm. and they all often have preferences. Some of them like the Northern accents, some of them like the Southern accents in England, the North South thing and the context of that is reversed. So I think the northern, the more northern accent you have, kind of to a certain extent, the more you prefer southern or something. That's like a more rural, weirder accent to people that are have a more average accent. And then she threw out this fact. Mm-hmm. The host was like, "It was some crazy, like a high number." I, it was like I can't remember. She said four, four to five, or fifty percent. I mean, a pretty a substantial amount of English people claim admit that they ch- will put on a bit of an accent a hundred percent to talk to other english people because they know like if i'm from york or i'm from somewhere with a strong not oh, so yeah. preferable accent well there's a whole class struggle there i mean it's like it's such a small area it's like one state and there's yet all these different dialects and Tons. there's like yeah, different socioeconomic status is associated with different dialects or whatever. Like Adele, I think, has like an accent that's like associated with like being poor or something. There's actually a really yes, funny yes. clip of Nicki Minaj like trying to do an impression of Adele. And she does a really good one, actually. And really? she's like, she like talks herself through it. She's like, whenever I sing Adele or try to do Adele, she's like, I just imagine myself as like, a poor British black woman. And you're like, what? And then you, she does it and you're like, oh my God, Adele does sound like a poor British black woman. Well, what's weird is that they consider the London accent to be, they always say this word, like the comparison. It's never like, whereas we'll say like redneck or whatever. They call it, They. it seems like they compare every, like the touchstone is the posh accent. So if you speak like you're from London and or someone speaks like they're from London and you're from like Birmingham, then you think that person sounds posh. But some people actually, apparently, according to that show, like the other accents. You know what I mean? Like, I guess it's oh, mm. like, 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 like people like, 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 people like. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Matthew McConaughey. I'm like just completely immune to it. I don't know how other people feel, but I just doesn't bother me one bit. But I'm thinking like Matthew McConaughey, you know, some people think that's a southern accent. I don't know what accent that is, but people are like, oh, he's, it's so sexy. But is it? You know. Mm, mm, I don't know. Because in here, people think I'm, he's sexy. The and I think the equivalent of the London accent in in America is actually the what do they call it? It's like educated uh, East Coast or East Coast educated. There's like a type of like a thing they call that where it seems neutral because if you think of West Coast. Is this like, like the, the Midwestern accent or something where they think well, it's like people don't hear it as an accent? The average accent started in this – this is from a linguistics class I took, so some, something in what I'm about to say is true. The <laughs> average, like we the hope. quintessential average, like if you were going to be trained to be a radio or on TV, that accent came what we consider to be a neutral accent, which actually is not a neutral accent. No accent is neutral. Each one is different. Of course, yeah. 
But the one that was like chosen was from the cent, like somewhere in the middle of the U.S. Was it Pennsylvania or Ohio or some particular, very particular accent that was understandable by everybody? So it wasn't Southern because we all oh, know this. We all know so the it's like Southern a lowest accent. common denominator kind of thing. Something like that, and it was like, like oh my God, stop saying like it was from, <laughs> from what I know, from what I remember, one like radio station or something like something like well, that. people used to talk really different like the radio station people on the news or whatever i mean it was just crazy have you you we've all heard those videos where people will talk and it just sounds like old school <laughs> john f kennedy <laughs> what is this like the old that whatever that kennedy original i feel like the jfk accent maybe was the you know what I'm saying? I can't even do it. Yes, it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't have that up, but I do. Okay. It I makes you want to say, finally. it makes you want to go say at the end of what you're saying, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I found this. We have to play this because it's so crazy. This Nicki Minaj video of her doing the Adele impression. Okay. Here we go. I just, sorry, but this is so funny. Okay. Speaking about accents. Um. All right, in order for me to channel Adele, <laughs> I sort of have to think like a black lady in London, right? <laughs> because the thing is, normally, everybody knows, I talk, my British accent is sort of like a, a posh white lady, a rich white lady, right? But with Adele, I sort of have to, like, transform, like, a, like you know, like, she you might, might have used to sell, sell crack. And, you know, <laughs> may, like, maybe she used... Like, maybe she used to be, like, hustling, like, nickels and dimes in the hood. And then, and then you know, like, like she got her big break. Like, cos that's, that's what I see when I see her. Like, she's always, like, it's so expressive, right? Yeah! yeah. <laughs> oh, you've even got the hand! <laughs> She said like a lot. I mean, can I point that out? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. These we are my can't people. Stop. These are yeah. my people. These are our people. But yeah, it's just funny because she, Nicki Minaj, she's like, I have a posh white act or a British, posh British accent. And then she's like, but Dell has a, a low class British accent, like she's in the hood or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, and if you just think accents, about our yeah. accents, we have the the really like the up north east New York accent. That's you know to a southern person and probably to other people that doesn't sound good. You sounds no, weird. It sounds you know? weird. Michigan people sound weird. I went to school up there for the first time, and everybody sounds so nasally. It's like they're talking through their nose. They're like orange, orange. You want some orange juice? <laughs> that has to be like a French accent from like closeness to oh, canada maybe. or something because the french are like the montreal so honky. people yeah yeah and french in canada i can tell i i'm not like super super fluent but i can tell a canadian french when it's being spoken it's something is different i don't know if it's more yes honky sorry. or something i'm sorry like they say yeah. weird things and there's a whole weird thing too with the up so there's michigan and like the upper peninsula those Upper Peninsula people speak real weird, real weird. It is a whole different country up there. I don't know what's going on. And there was this one girl. I remember I was in this teaching class. I was a music student in college, and I was in this education music education class, and there was this girl, and we were talking about, like, 
diversity for some reason because that's what we need to be talking about. And we were like talking about where people are from and how that shapes their experiences. And she was like, yeah, I'm from the UP and I don't have an accent. And I couldn't do it, but she had the thickest accent I've ever heard anyone in my entire life have. And she she literally thought, she's like, I don't have an accent. I was just like, have you never like talked to anyone about this? This is unbelievable that you're saying this right now. I don't know. I wonder if I have an accent sometimes. Like, I don't use it when I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I am trying so hard not to say it. But when I was in college, I could hear, I talked a lot in college, in the classes, Mm. because I was older and I was interested in what was going on. Most kids were just sleeping. But you start talking like a a dick a little bit, I think. Something. You know, you you just speak a little differently. Because you're being asked to be pretentious. To critique the culture. Yeah. Yeah. So it would just come out. And it was always funny. You're like, there's clearly this person that knows way more than yeah. you and has way more life experience. Give a good argument why they should just be completely dismissed. As Jeff Foxworthy once said, you really he, – he, he made the comparison to a brain surgeon. He's like, something about the southern accent, you really – it's not great for everything. you know. <laughs> and he did an impersonation of a brain surgeon and he says – and he goes, uh, now what we're going to do is – Saw the top of your head off. <laughs> Probe around in there with little sticks. See if you can't find that dabber and clot. And he may be the greatest brain surgeon ever, but something about that makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> it's so true. Me and Michael, we make fun of like musicals. We were like, what if this musical, like the main singer, had like a southern accent? Like, like she's wicked. <laughs> Just like imagine whatever. Uh, well, let me put it this place. way: if they did do that, I would like musicals, but I, as it turns <laughs> out, really don't. So, but if everything, if most musicals had a bluegrass vibe, I'd listen all day. Oh, it might yeah, be my favorite gosh. genre. Yeah. So I'm looking up, it says Canadian French has different vocabulary, idioms, slang, cultural references, expressions that may be unfamiliar to those who speak European French. However, the largest difference is pronunciation, so much so that Canadian and European French are not always mutually intelligible. They can't even understand each other. See, okay, that is a problem. I feel like that happens with different Southern people. I cannot, if you get real Southern, I don't know what you're saying. Well, the the Scottish speak English. I'm just going to put it that way. And... I no, was, again, watching yeah. that British show the other day, and a British guy was like, one time I went to Scotland, she goes, what accents do you like? He's like, well, I just, anything too Northern, I'm not into, because I literally can't understand them, is what he said. And he said, I, I only know this because I went to Scotland one time, and I could not understand anything anybody was saying. And it's totally English. But yeah. it is hard. If you that's crazy. start losing grip of it, you know, I'll be watching like a show that's with Scottish and sometimes we always do subtitles, but some if you lose the flow, all of a sudden it sounds like a different language. Oh, speaking of which, have you seen that I've sh- I'm sure I've shown you that video of it's like called what English what English sounds like to non native speakers. speakers or yeah. And it's just a bunch of fake words that's that are constructed with the English accent, like an American accent and an American style of word. Inflection. It's hard to ex- yeah. it's it's hard to explain, but there's rules to like how you can. Pr- there's words that haven't been invented that would be 
proper words based on like phonemic construction. Right. And right. so they made a whole bunch of these words that actually aren't words, but they follow the rules of phonemes in English. And it sounds really crazy. You're like, wow, that's really odd. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, no, we can maybe find that clip here um, or something. Anyway, um, enough about accents. We were talking about Mossad um, before this. <laughs> Very topical conversation. But I encountered this idea because I cannot stop talking about this Israel-Hamas war. I don't know what's going on. I think I'm just obsessed with the propaganda. Of it. I feel like we're experiencing such intense propaganda so quickly right now. And maybe we've always been or maybe it's more now. Maybe I'm just experiencing it for the first time. But it's crazy out there because, well – I will say I encountered this idea about the Mossad thing, that Jeffrey Epstein was running a Mossad blackmail operation with U.S. and other G7 country high-level people. So that essentially the idea is all of these high-level you know, world leaders were going to the Jeffrey Epstein's island so that they could get dirt on them. And this was a Mossad blackmail operation so that Israel or whoever, Central Intelligence Agency, Deep State in Israel could – you know, use these people for whatever purposes they wanted. That's an idea. I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying that people think that out there, and that's apparently an idea. Do you have any so, idea where you heard, like, where you encountered this, though? I encountered it on X. I can't remember who said it, but some. it was probably just some random comment on... Because hmm. if you go onto X, there's so... If you, like, have a feed like mine that's not traditional mainstream media, there's so much Epstein stuff where people are just obsessed about it. They're like, when are we going to find the client list? When are we going to find the client list? And you're like, why haven't they released the full list? It is kind of strange. And then people will comment. They'll be like, this is the biggest Mossad operation or whatever, just like in passing or whatever. And so – so that happens. I don't know. But then you're also getting propaganda from the other side. So this is – I've also encountered lots of – What, Epstein and, apologists? No, no not, the, not about Epstein but about He was the actually Hamas a great Israel person war. doing God's work. Yeah. So I think – I guess my sensation, my gut reaction is that there is something – like we're not being as critical of Israel as we should be, like on balance about the conflict when thinking about it from afar, from a political lens. Like should the U.S. be involved? How should we get involved? When thinking – I'm not saying like it's not a crisis. People – you know, I don't want to be insensitive. Obviously, that's all terrible no matter where those people come from, what their national identities are. But when you think about how do we get involved, how do we resolve the conflict – then it becomes confusing because my gut reaction is, well, we should be more critical of Israel because I think at this point now more Palestinian people have died in this conflict than Israeli people. And then it starts to look like what's really going on here. So that's interesting. But then you see all of this propaganda. So my reaction is there like, OK, I want to be more critical of Israel. But then I see all this propaganda that's also like kind of gaslighting, or I don't know if that's the right term, but essentially it's, uh, well, I don't, it, they've done it in different ways too because they'll do it with other issues. But you'll see like, so the the media, and David Sachs pointed this out too about like what's on the All In podcast, he's a billionaire or whatever. And he pointed this out about the Wall Street Journal saying that Biden wasn't being tough enough on Hamas and that they needed to 
basic, and not just Hamas, but like this is actually a proxy war with Iran, and they who, need to wait, who show that? Iran who's boss. Not, not David Sachs. He's David, David Sachs, Sachs was pointing it out that the right. Wall Street okay. Journal and other t- publications like mainstream, like the New York Times and stuff, were saying things like, and you can go read it. It's crazy, like what they said. Like they're like. Yeah, well, the Biden administration has been saying Iran can't do these things, but they haven't really been doing enough. And so what they should do is really put their foot down, which if you read between the lines is like they should, uh, you know, have a little military action in Iran. And that's what essentially the Wall Street Journal is calling for. So you're like, there, wait, I for some reason, I'm not I'm I think I'm following, but I maybe I'm not. So the Wall Street Journal is saying that Hamas should do more or that. That the U.S. should do more. Oh, that we should go into Iran and yes. do more war stuff. Yeah. Is, like, hey, we haven't it, been hard enough on Hamas. Wasn't that the final country on that clip that I played of the Wesley Clark, General Wesley Clark 7? Wasn't oh, was Iran? It? Was it I would believe countries? it. Yeah, I think Iran was on the list. Yeah. But it's so crazy. Yeah, so I don't know. So you're getting propagandized in that way. And I see how you're also getting propagandized where – we are like these students or whatever, like we're kind of dunking on them or something where idiots will come out and say just the stupidest shit about Hamas. Like they'll be like Hamas or like they're liberators or something. And you're like freedom. fighters. Um, yeah. What is like that was they killed people. What are you talking about? They're freedom fighters. And then so I feel like there's a propaganda like to like dunk on those people or something. And it just all seems crazy. Like. That seems like an idiotic position to have. Like, how can you legitimately say that? And then it's easy to dunk on and be like, well, see how we need to be so pro-Israel? And I'm like, well, that's not the conclusion, like, of that to me. Like, just because someone made a stupid point about how Hamas is freedom fighters doesn't mean that now we need to go full-blown the other direction. Like, that means Israel is faultless and are they are the freedom fighters or something. So I don't know. The whole thing is just weird to me because you're getting propagandized on both sides. And I do, while I like what I was saying, like I do, my gut reaction is to feel more critical of Israel. But then I see a lot of shitty stuff about Hamas. And I'm like, I understand that there are a lot of idiotic points of view about pro-Palestine or whatever. But I also feel like those points of view are being put out so they can be dunked on. And so anyway, that was a long explanation of that. But that's that's the kind of 3D chess I feel like is going on right now where it's so convoluted and so difficult to figure out what's actually going on. And a lot of it just comes off to me as propaganda because it's not we're not having a unified conversation about this. We're just having like pro Abbas, pro Israel, you know, and that's it. That seems to be it. And then yeah, I mean I've seen some scary stuff like all of these and this will probably come out by the time that we're this podcast gets released. But there were like all these U.S. flights going into the region or whatever, into the Middle East. So they were like talking about having an escalation. And then there's rumors that the U.S. has told Israel, like Israel's like, we're doing more invasions and whatever, military operations in Gaza. And that the U.S. apparently has told them, please wait while we get our ducks in a row in the region whether that's because we're going to support them or because we want to be prepared for blowback, who knows? But that's also been rumored. So it's just crazy. It's crazy. And it's very scary, I think, to think about what, yeah, what could be happening. But yeah, to the Iran thing, too, that doesn't even make sense to me. Like this whole Iran, whatever nonsense in the like region, like Iran, I don't understand why they want to 
get Iran so bad? Like, what is, I don't understand it. I just don't understand it. Like, it's a region that gets along, like, okay with one another, like, about as well as any other region, except for the whole Israel thing. You know, like, Israel is this little wrench in the engine or whatever for that whole region. And then I feel like, you know, they're doing whatever they're doing over there. And Iran has a very different government than ours. But, you know, we haven't really intervened since. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me because if you're like, well, they don't have democracy. It's like, well, women haven't been liberated for a long time in Iran. Like, what do you, like if we're like the pro-democracy country, we should have gone in and taken that place a long time ago or something. You know, it like doesn't make it like, what are we really fighting this war about? with Iran, which seems to be what everybody wants to say about the whole Hezbollah thing. They're like, this is, Iran is funding Hezbollah, and Iran is funding Hamas, and this is all Iran's war, and whatever. Whatever, whatever. It's just crazy. I don't understand it. Yeah. My point is just a propaganda. I don't want to get into the details of, like, what's actually going on. It's just a lot of propaganda. That's why I'm obsessed. I saw the Jeffrey Epstein thing. That's all. I mean, I feel That's all. <laughs> I partially feel like, well, the, how the Jeffrey Epstein thing folds in, I don't know. But clearly, our relationship with Israel is well known, well established. The fact that Jeffrey Epstein was over here doing, I mean, the people that he was meeting with, that list, like crazy, right? Like, even. It's crazy. He was Bill even Clinton, meeting with people like Steve Pinker. Hillary I mean, Clinton, just crazy. Yeah. Scientists, research scientists. Researchers, really, really, really odd. Nobel Prize winners. Yeah, Richard Dawkins, I think, or one of the Dawkins. Yeah, I was going to say, part of the narrative, I guess, that I'm constructing or this in my mind, it's not flushed out again. We probably shouldn't even be talking about it. But I'm thinking we basically... I'm pointing out exactly what, what we're kind of what we're talking about in a way. It's like, what is this exactly? What, what what's going on? Same with the Russia Ukraine thing, and when that is what what when we're so distant from these places that we don't even know what what is Hamas? What what is Hezbollah? Are they different? Are they same? No. They like each other? Two what? months ago, what? no one even knew what Hamas was. So now, yeah, I'm like, is that now even, it's a household name? I think my my point being, I don't want to sound whatever, but it's like, how can it be this important? We don't even. No, exactly. You made the best point, point. I think, on one of our prior podcasts, which is the money point. How is all this money just leaving the country? It's insane that. And I made that point very poorly. Yeah. Well, I did not. I thought I came out badly. I think I remember not being able to say what I was trying to say, but there's something preposterous about it that's what i trillions, think i came to trillions was, of dollars just leaving our country you're like what are we talking about literally, this you, is not a go, government what? of the people you're like this is a government that is meddling in foreign affairs while we have a million humanitarian crises on our own soils like what are we talking about young people can't afford to live basically i mean everybody's going to be impoverished completely on the streets soon apparently so but we have to spend billions of dollars we listened to what ron paul said about it and right before this was happening we were all it was like in the pop culture 
and maybe this is part of the deal because it maybe was happening in Israel too. People keep saying in Israel before this started happening, there were these massive, massive protests going on. And now they're not. The Israeli people were protesting the Israeli Their own government, government. Netanyahu. So that's no longer a problem, thank God. Um, it reminds me of the song called Dirty Business. and Which that's a whole weird scenario, by the way, because I think to recap for people, what was going on with the protest was that, so Israel doesn't have a constitution. So there's no initial separation of powers like between the judiciary, the legislative, and the executive branch. And so the, the judiciary has been gaining power on what they call something called a common law in Israel, which are these basic UN laws, essentially international humanitarian law. And they've been using that to decide you know, the legality, constitutionality. It would be, but they don't have a constitution. So it's just like the legality of certain laws that the government was making. Benjamin Netanyahu wanted to have the Supreme Court be able to kind of set the law, it sounded like, something something in that vein. Well, he was trying to remove that power. So he was saying uh. that they had grabbed too much power, that they shouldn't be able to do those sorts of things. So mm-hmm. that they, the Supreme Court was getting too powerful. But then when you think about it, you're kind of like, well, just on the basis of it, that actually sounds true. Like, they don't have a constitution. Like, what is the UN determining, or the not the UN? <laughs> what is the judiciary determining? How the like? What are you standing on? You know, like you don't have a constitution to stand on. Like, it's not like here where the the Supreme Court comes out and is like, um, this is against our own rules. The Supreme Court there is not like that. It's like this is against the UN's rules, and so it's a very different situation. And but people got really angry about Netanyahu. This is like the what we're told, which I can't even believe that what we're told is real because when you start thinking about it, you're like, how could that be what people are saying? Like, people are so up in arms about the judiciary doing like basically imposing the UN's rule. It just doesn't make, I mean, maybe, but I don't know. Yes. So let me, anyway. let, let me grab something. I have something to say, but I have to grab something. I won't forget. Hang on. Okay. Okay. One thing that that points to in my mind is it, at least on some level is how, I don't know, maybe the word is important. Something like, what we've had here is the foundation, you know, the foundation of the country, a constitution, a bill of rights and all this. And ours was set up really well and it's been abused. And I feel like I even remember, I can't remember the actual who, who, what, where, when, but I know that I've read these quotes, read stuff, disparate things that point to the fact that the people who did set the country up at that found, with that foundation at least said or knew their opinion, not mine. I mean, maybe mine, but that it would have to be like a Christian nation or a, a, a moral nation. Like you'd have to be a, a you still mm-hmm. have to ha- be a good people. But then you have this thing that's like final. Literally, the word would be a touchstone. You know, a touchstone is that term comes from the idea it was a stone you could rub gold on and it would 
tell you if it was true, if it were really gold, what the quality of that gold is. It would make a color on the other stone if you scrape mm. the gold on it. That's a touchstone. That's so I feel like that's what that has been for this country for, you know, we always, what do we always say? Well, what, what do we used to always say? Is that constitutional or not? You know, because we trusted that constitution and we believed in it. We said that whatever, and th- and then we've got away from that. Now, just like in religions, you know, it happens over time. Then we start squabbling about, well, the constitution yeah. was written a long time ago. I mean, could they really have predicted the technological advancement and the type of weaponry and da 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 da? So therefore, the Second Amendment maybe doesn't exist. We should add more amendments. You know, it's that's getting away from the whole. I, it's so crazy to me. It's a hubris. It's like imagining that yeah. you, the Second Amendment, just, you. It's you crazy. commentator can just come up with a better, something better than those guys did. Yeah. Well, just the thing off the, that, off yeah, the cuff. We've all been using, yeah, to protect our rights for so long. And the Second Amendment doesn't even make any sense. I don't understand this whole stupid argument about, like, what the framers intended versus modern day. I'm like, of course it's what the framers intended because that is the context in which it was written. So you have to think about what really was this right. Like, when they said they had the right to guns— Obviously, that like there's something there. They were saying we have the right to defend ourselves equally against the people who might come and take things from us. Not we literally like guns are just so important that we need to have them. You know, like what and how interesting. That's so stupid. It's also interesting that that we we got those founding documents and that the foundation, I think, kind of at the right time in history because right after that. Not too long after, like it was as if they were at the exact point you would want to be to be able to look into the future and go, I see the change coming. How long was it from when we hmm. founded this country to then we have this, we start getting this kind of technological revolution begins to emerge? I mean, they're making ships and weaponry that allow them to do this kind of travel you know they they can see the the possibility of getting a of survival getting out from underneath this kind of lording superpower and so i think what they saw which was they even had a historical context. They could look back from their perspective too, just like we can look into history. They could look into history with a better probably understanding than we have, closer to yeah. it, and say – and this has been – plenty of people made this point. It's such an obvious point. I mean, I guess it's debatable, but I feel like it's the best way to think about it is that like the Bill of Rights it, – it, it actually it says it explicitly, to be honest. It says – that the we admit right from the beginning this is not these rights are basically needed they were needed because we had the constitution or the uh, what was the thing before the constitution called the uh, what was that called before the Con- the federalist papers or <sighs> hang on what are you talking about there was something before oh my god before the constitution there was something else another prior document I don't oh, know. I don't we'll know come about up with history. it. Hang on a second. This is the most Googleable thing I've ever heard of. Okay, what was before 
the Constitution. The Articles of Confederation. Articles of Confederation. Oh my God, Jesus, help us! <sighs> there we go. Okay. So to get the Bill of to get the Constitution and all this big federal government, we had to have this Bill of Rights. So the Bill of Rights was basically like deals from other states. They were like, "We're not doing this," and if unless did 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 X Y Z, and so they have to start adding these things. And all of those things in the beginning kind of had the same vibe. It was like, these are things that we're just going to, that are so obvious to us going to be a problem that we're just going to state them from the out. And without these guarantees, there is no federal government. There is no constitution. The whole thing falls. It's like a foundation block. So that's why it's funny to say, like, we should change some of these foundational amendments, like the first and second. You're like, no, no. That without those, <laughs> there wasn't even a con. There wasn't none of this would be here. We wouldn't even be here. There yeah. would be different countries going on. Like it would just not be this way. So you can't just be pulling out foundational rocks to straight tyranny. It's just crazy. And, what these but it, and it says they wrote at the time that the rights listed are not exhaustive. They're just some, and that it would take the rest of our lives basically to write down all the things that you can't do as a federal government. But here's a couple, right, of course, J- here's a couple of fundam- to say what you can do, which is what they were supposed to be doing. And there was a very limited purview of the federal government, but now they've used all these dumb laws and rulings to circumvent all that, say commerce clause and whatnot. Commerce clause and primarily right. stuff. And you're like, it was never supposed to be like this. It was never supposed to be like this. And as somebody from the South, where we don't really have that many mass shootings, I've thought about this. I think there Texas are places, has the lowest mass shootings, actually. There's Just a comedian coming to town, and I thought, I'd like to buy one of these tickets. Tim Dillon is coming to Atlanta. Mm. And comedians seem to avoid Atlanta. I don't know why. So I was like, I'm going to, dangerous. I would get that. <laughs> and then I thought, I I guarantee you, they probably is like a metal detector going in. And I just don't, I, we live in a time where I don't want to be in a place, in a, I don't want to be a soft target anywhere in public like that because weird shit, that's where the weird shit happens. And, but most other places, and people may not believe this if you don't live in a place where guns are ubiquitous, but here, or at least until recently, again, I live in a, place where it's like i don't know 50 percent or more indian it's it was they're so ubiquitous like you just you i have carried and still do from time to time literally carry a gun around with me like a concealed carry and there's absolutely i'm never the only one you know what i mean like you don't see it but i know my uncle's both military guys yeah. almost People always are armed. Like, yeah. So <clears throat> to imagine someone like walks into a Waffle House or a Walmart or whatever where people are still free, that it just – to be honest, it would not work. Do you know <laughs> what I'm House saying? Waffle House is really the only place where people are free these days. Exactly. No, I'm saying somebody pulls a gun out. I bet you they're dead before they pull the trigger. They're and dead by a, like twelve angles. Mean? Someone else is gonna pull their gun out and shoot you. Oh, if you're gonna be a mass shooter, you know what I'm saying? Oh well, when a in a society where people have 
carry or carry guns or whatever. Literally. And we, yeah. so at, at, Wal- at Walmart, at. Well, you never hear about those stories where they shoot down the people or whatever, the gunmen's, but it yeah, does happen. I, and we had a little law that came through where you were allowed to bring your gun to college. And I did. There were some stipulations. And I, te- so the longer you were, it's kind of the further along you made it in college, it seemed like the more allowable the gun was because it had something to do with like the age of the, some of the other students would be like one of the prohibitory Mm. matters. I can't remember what the law was exactly, but to be honest, it made me feel a lot safer. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I mean, to people's point, I think we haven't enforced the laws that we have already for gun stuff like that shooter, the recent shooting, I can't remember where it was, but the person had a, they were that story, former yeah. military and had mental illness and somehow they were allowed to keep their guns and it's just – it doesn't make any sense. You're like, that's not even enforcing the laws that we have about Yeah, did you hear – that's – okay, so all the, the story there came out. Gazillions of people are dead. Mass murder. Update, update, update. Cut all those numbers in half. Update, update. Never mind. Cut them down again. Like every, all the reporting was wrong to start with. Oh. And I, I heard this theory. I heard this theory. I'm not saying any. Okay. I guess I'll say what. What's the theory? It, I'll say it's what it implies because I don't want to say that I'm promoting this, but, and neither did the person that said this, but it. I'm just going to throw the word out there. False flag. I'm not saying it was a false flag, but a false flag is something where it, it can be a false flag can in nowadays can kind of be a real thing. Like it doesn't of the word false flag comes from like a, a ship raising a flag that wasn't that's not theirs on their ship and then shooting at your ship. And so you think it's the other guys doing it. And then that gets you to attack whoever's flag got raised because you think it was those guys mm. when it really was somebody else you know so they raise a Someone's false flag pretending to be someone else this uh, this is so this can be done by so that, so yeah. right so two united states naval ships could be one could raise right, and then right, so the right, right. us attacks the us or it could be your enemy germany raises a a japanese flag and then you attack japan whatever you know it could be anything yeah. like that or it could be totally legit and then ev- this is the more modern thing it could be totally legit whatever the thing is that happened happened but then everyone gloms onto it and turns it into whatever story they need to now well, the misreporting can be enough to be the false flag exactly it could just be a true story but it gets misreported and the misreporting is what sticks with people you know because that was was what was yeah. initially said because there's a huge difference between 30 people dying and th- and three people dying when that's oftentimes how those stories change that come out first a mass murder they come out later everybody survived you know you're like what well why'd you say that's that? just crazy but here's the thing that i heard i think i can't remember if it's a tweet or what but i guess a day or a couple days before uh i think it was kamala harris did a tweet or a statement or something and said something about needing to take care of this gun problem. And then two days later, big mass shooting. And so the theory was she like, uh, I don't know if it was a joke, but like there's something interesting here. Did she get the date wrong? Like, Oh, I wasn't supposed to post that yet until after 
the thing oh, because otherwise it's like <laughs> otherwise it's too random. You know what I mean? We're in the middle of like a war in Israel. We're doing a war in Ukraine. We're doing all this other stuff. And she's like, by the way, guns, gun violence. Right, guys? Am I right? Oh, oh, oh whoops. Oh, that's tomorrow. Oh, never oh, mind. Just wait for the wait. Now the gun problem. You know, it's like what was going on there? So I, something looks funky there it's to me. So if, true, if that's though. right. It's like that guy, whatever his name was, that senator in that congressional hearing. I guess he's not a senator. He's a congress congressman uh, who said it's a chance to make political talking points where he was you know, saying that about RFK, which was totally – he was calling out the thing that his party does all the time uh, and both parties do all the time. But that's what it is. I mean I just feel like everything is being used to make political talking points. We're not even talking about – the shootings aren't about the shootings. Like you never hear like you never hear about the names, okay? That like what happened to that? It used to be like say the names. Every time that they start doing that cuz it always comes out later. Like it tends to come out and it's just like the Gretchen Whitmer case which I mentioned. It's like the perfect it's a touchstone for this kind of thing. What was that? 13 guys tried to arrest or tried to like abduct a, a senator or a governor. And it's like, that's crazy, right? And then it goes to court and everyone forgets about it. And then later the story comes out, uh, 12 of those 13 were actually yeah, FBI yeah, agents. Yeah, so yeah. of course somebody, <sighs> so somebody knew, you know? Well, or 12 people knew out of 13 or <laughs> 15. Well, exa exactly. And their handlers. So that's how this, so someone says, Kamala, we're going to do a tweet like this about gun violence. Oh, my God, you know, of course. And yeah. because somebody's because I mean, somebody somewhere knows she doesn't have to know. Maybe that's why she fucked up and said yeah, it early. I don't because know. she didn't. Know. She just knew names. this was a thing. No, they never say the names. This is the other thing that bothers me. This came. I was thinking about this this morning because I was listening to an article about that guy from Friends who just died or whatever. And they were talking about, oh, how sad, you know, this guy had a heart attack or something was found in his bathtub. And he was hyper-vaccine. He, he had so many vaccines. Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. He Everyone was one of those people days. that was out there that was like... Yeah, just a heart attack. Just a random heart attack. Um, According to the No Agenda show, I think it was, the, the, the wording that they're choosing is an apparent drowning. That's what the news is saying. Apparent drowning. And it's like, is it a, is, is it a drowning or is it not? When you're doing fake reporting, you just throw those little words in there. Apparent, reportedly... Might that's why be. I say like so much. <laughs> yeah, I don't want anything. I'm not saying anything for certain. It's all like, like a thing. It's this not is, actually the yeah, thing. This is the same quality as actual news and reporting yeah. this days, these days, this days. Um, uh, yes. I say it on purpose to dumb it down so everyone can understand what we're saying. You know what I mean? Like, Yes. No, they should say the things. What I was thinking of is the Gaza thing, too, because it's just hard for me to empathize with that when you know how many people are being slaughtered in the actual conflict, like the wars that are going on right now in Israel and in the Ukraine. And yet we don't have any of those names and people don't say the names. And I think that that is a big part of it that dehumanizes it. And one of the things that came out in that movie and in, in that case, the Chicago 7 or whatever, which was a protest about the Vietnam War. So they I think they they win the case or something and then they you know get to make a statement at the end of it. And the statement they make is just a reading. They read every American who died in Vietnam's name. And it takes forever. 
you know, because it's like it's still going on from the first time. (laughs) Yeah. Literally, the court person is like, you cannot read every name um, on this list. And it is just powerful, though, because you're like, that is the point. Like, that's why we're here. You know, like, why is anyone protesting any of this? It's like, obviously, because all of these actual people have died. Um, And I think, yeah, it's like we never talk about that. It's just crazy to me that like all of this stuff happens and it's like we're almost like immune to it. Like we don't even recognize it anymore. We're just so desensitized to the violence now that it's just like, oh, another school shooting. Like as if like school shooting are just this abstract concept we should like relate to. And well, I think that's the whole point is to normalize everything. Mm. You, 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 it's the, what, uh, this is a great segue maybe because this is where I first heard this and I always use this terminology, which came from, segue please, David Icke, who calls it the mm. totalitarian tiptoe. It can be two steps, other, other versions of this is like the two step forward, one step back notion. You know, you're still making progress, but you have to. To reel a little back, but not all the way. You got to yeah. Oh, oh, did I overstep? Let me back up a little bit. Oh, did we? Oh, you, not all guns? Okay. Let me back up just high high power uh high power weaponry oh yeah too much okay just magazines that hold more than 21 rounds oh you know and they just keep going and going and so then the mass shooting thing you know even that you it has to be a bit of a tiptoe you can't go crazy with that because it would be too 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 crazy you know you, people would be just like what 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 hang on something else is going on here this is crazy you know you, you can't have shootings all over the place at all times that's just insane but which by the way we actually have that in places like you take all these uh, hey i'm not a partisan person but i'm just going to put it the way that it is all these democratic hotspot urban centers their shootings in those places all the time all the time and they'll count them when they're statistically helpful for their narrative but they never talk about them those aren't the mass shootings anyone cares about no, we just care about if it's in a gay nightclub or at a school or here or there. Not when it's every single day in the alleys of Chicago. Yeah. That doesn't exactly. matter. We don't talk about those. Yeah. Or like Monica pointed out too, with that thing I read Gangster. from her glossary, the you know, you it's is it helpful to talk about she's she literally gives examples in her website. She's like, these are actual shootings that are not ambiguous and we you've never heard of them now right. and they would actually the, it, rally us around some of these issues potentially oh yeah we would she her point is not like a alt right point her point is we would actually come together on the police brutality side of things if we right, saw right. that because well, there's a couple for some reason that have because i we in georgia it's as great as this place is, sometimes it's got a heavy hand in law enforcement. And probably because it was like a penal colony. I don't even remember. But there's some That's reason true. why it's kind of out of control. That would be interesting. No, it, a lot of the stuff comes from those times. And and maybe there's like, I think even theories that it comes from like this kind of, that the, the first police force was really like a slave recapturing oh. situation. So it wow. really, its origins are not, you know, make sense. It makes sense when you... Ask yourself about, about the yeah. modern times versus where did this come from in the first place? You're like, oh, I see. I see what's happening here. We just 
kept this in place and then there were no more slaves to catch. So we just catch other people now. And uh, anyway, yeah, I, I can't remember what my point was. I probably made my point, but. Well, the gun violence and yeah, all of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You were talking about David Icke too. We were going to segue to that. You had I, a David Icke. Yeah, you had a David Icke rabbit hole, which by the way, yes. this year, I read 98% of this humongous freaking David Icke book. Yeah, it's like the Bible times two. It's this one at the time, of course, he's probably written like five more books. But at the time, he said, I feel as if my entire life has been leading up to this book. So I bought it because it was huge. And I'm like, I think he put everything in there. And it's called (laughs) The Perception Deception or It's All Bullocks. Yes, all of it. And then the sub-subtitle is The Most Comprehensive Exposure of Human Life Ever Written. And it is a massive book, and it is full of some things that you're just going to go, I don't know about that, bro. That's some crazy shit. And some of it... Now, I have done the David Icke rabbit hole before, personally. I you have don't know DVDs. who David Icke is. He's like this conspiracy person who talks about the like lizard people running the world, like literally. His origin story is he was a footballer, which by that they mean soccer. He was a soccer player. He was really good. He got rheumatoid arthritis really bad. His, mm. If you see him in public and or speaking, his hands are all janky, but he's healed now through the Lord. Uh, woo-woo vibrations oh um really and he i don't something yeah he's fine now it's whatever um then he became a news sports anchor and that was big so he was Mm. still fairly well-known guy so he had a little credibility then he started getting a little weird and there's a there's a show in England at the time that sounds a lot like Joe Rogan or the Rogan show, but it was not, it was like the Hogan or some, some British talk show guy over there had him on. And this was a time in his life where he was just kind of coming into this weird place that he is now. And he had had some, which he describes in this book, some mystical experiences. And when you read them, and you take his word for it. They're not crazy, crazy. You know, they don't, he's not like, I got abducted and probed. It's it's things <laughs> that some of them are kind of believable, kind of like things you've had happen in your life. Oh, unbelievable coincidences, for example, just crazy coincidences, you know, that you, mm. like someone says to you, oh, just some rando, I think, told him, this is, your life is going to do this, this, and this. And he's like, uh, I do sports. I don't know what you're talking about, but Okay. And then he finds a book, opens the book. That person's name is in the book. He's like, what? He reads that book. It changes life. You know, that's the kind of story, origin story, part of his origin story. He went somewhere, had some vibrational experience in some place, you know, like some remote place. He went, he said he had a lightning go through him. You know, this, this feeling, just crazy feeling. He was a mess afterwards. He started wearing, at the beginning, he believed that, like the color clothing you wore was like it mattered. So that's how woo-woo he was. And so people think he's even more woo-woo. He just went off the deep end. 
in reality, he kind of became less woo-woo if you really followed him. Because he went on the poker show and he was wearing teal and he thought if you wear teal, something about vibration and light and, you know, people, he got basically publicly shamed by the entire country. He said his Mm -hmm. kids were being made fun of. He couldn't take them to schools. I mean, it was just, it was so bad because Mm -hmm. he had made, basically it was like a whole audience plus the entire country watching on TV laughing at this guy. And they even said things on the show like uh, Hogan or whatever guy's name is says, David, they're not laughing with you. They're laughing at you, I think. You know, so it was oh, that kind of God. thing towards this guy. Yeah. So it, it just, of course, he went like, fuck all that. Fuck all you. And now he is who he is. So his origin story is not just guy writes weird books and says strange things. Mm, and uh, anyway, so yeah. I bought, I, I've, I have, this is not an exaggeration. I have probably watched... I'm trying not to exaggerate, literally trying not to exaggerate, possibly 40 to 50 hours of David Icke lectures. Because I have have a DVD, one DVD set that I bought after watching like literally 12 hour videos of this guy. So I have another at least 20 hours, whatever much is on this DVD set that I've watched all of those too. I mean, I've watched, and when back in the day, just like, I feel like it's a David Icke, Origin story almost. Because when I was watching him back then, I would just sit there and just watch the video. And multiple times, even the DVD set that I bought, and I watched it recently until it got stuck in one of our DVD players, <laughs> ate one of the DVDs. And I'm oh, very no. upset about it. We, I still have the DVD player because I am getting that thing out. It's actually in a PS3, so it's a little upsetting because I can't just take it apart because it's very, it's a special one. But anyway, I became very emotional throughout multiple years, pretty close, pretty much the version of tears that I get that I got while mm-hmm. watching David Icke multiple yeah. times. Well, so this is. Yeah. So go on. I want to hear your yeah. your David Icke exposure. Well, I just fell down in this whole David Icke hole on Twitter because or whatever they're calling it now. X. God damn it. He's um, on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, he's on Twitter. I did not and know that. He, I follow him and some other people just to see what's going on. And he says some crazy stuff on there. It's a little like, what the hell are you talking about, dude? And then some other stuff seems very legitimate. And yeah, so he's really concerned with things like Elon Musk and whatnot. And he's like, the Elon Musk is like positioning himself as like this alternative media. He's like, calling out the fake alternative essentially all the time where he thinks Jordan Peterson is like a fake alternative. He thinks Elon Musk is a fake alternative, like they're controlled outlets or something. They're not really getting to David the Icke thinks of this. the matter. Yeah. yeah. And he recently tweeted about it. And then I fell into this hole because I was like, what is this guy saying? Why, is he think, why does he think that? And then the thing I noticed about it is it is, it can be really depressing, like to get into the mindset of whatever he's in and, that I do find that a little troubling. Depressing almost, it is to you? Yeah. Like black pill? Yeah, it's like black pill. But it's like it's not just black pill like, oh, everything you knew isn't how it is. It's black pill, like depressive black pill. Like I, I feel like that is maybe a flaw or something. Because I don't think everything he says is false, but the he comes off in a way that's 
non-productive to me. It's like nihilist black pill. Okay. Like, I have sort something of to say like about that. destroy everything. It's all fucked. Like you should just kill yourself or something. That's the kind of vibes I get. And it's really heavy. And I'm like, I just can't like if you if it's really woo-woo and about energy, like this is some bad energy. Whereas Okay, okay go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well let me add let me add just on that one point. So two two things. One is uh, Monica Perez, who I talk about all the time because she's a genius. But again, we're going to return to her glossary, which she has on her website, MonicaPerezShow.com or apparently Monica'sDeepDives.com. I'm a little confused. But um, here – interesting. Okay, so here's another word from her glossary. And maybe this fits for David Icke. That she's, so she's coined these terms and whatever. Taint. Taint agent, which is kind of a funny word because it <laughs> says taint, and that's funny. But um, this is what she puts for taint agent. Remember when Piers Morgan took what ended up to be basically his last stand in America by advocating for gun control in the wake of the event that shall not be named, which, by the way, I'm pretty sure means Sandy Hook. That event got my words WordPress site canceled because we've talked about that too. Her website got disappeared. I recall Piers speaking to Larry Pratt of Gun Owners of America. Pratt eats his lunch. Basically, she's saying he eats uh, Piers Morgan's lunch, like just destroys him. Like he, mm. Piers cannot debate him. And she provides clips because she's that kind of researcher. Shortly thereafter, Morgan had Alex Jones on the show to discuss the same topic. Jones is practically Tom cruising all over Morgan. She means remember Tom Cruise when he jumped up on the couch on Oprah and just went bizarre, but like berserk. So that's what oh, she's saying. Alex Jones that, did on the Pierce. Oh, he just yeah. went just, crazy. Just look up Tom Cruise jumping on couch or something. You'll find it. But anyways, <laughs> it was very famous when he did it. I don't know why he did that. Um, so, she, he, so Alex was basically uh, Tom cruising all over Piers Morgan, drowning out the sound facts that the that Pratt had laid out in a sea of dangerous gun nut imagery. Jones tainted Pratt's message. I would argue that Jones exists just to taint such sound messages in the vein of cognitive infiltration laid out by Obama's first information czar, Cass Sunstein, in this paper, which she cites or she gives a link for. On conspiracy theories, which is where he said so. Uh, whether he meant to be or not, Jones was acting as a taint agent. And you can see it in this video here. I don't know if you want to see it, but this is famous, famous um, stuff here. And then we'll definitely, we'll definitely go back to David here. Um, Beers, thanks for having me. Why do you want to deport me? Well, we did it as a way to bring attention to the fact that we have all of the I'm going to just I'm just going to get to the point where he goes a little bonkers. <laughs> Hitler took the guns. Stalin took the guns. Mao took the guns. Fidel okay. Castro took the guns. Hugo Chavez took the guns. And I'm here to tell you, 1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms. Doesn't matter how many lemmings you get out there on the street begging for them to have their guns taken. We will not relinquish them. Do you understand? That's why you're going to fail and the establishment knows no matter how much propaganda, the republic will rise again when you attempt to take our guns. My family in the Texas Revolution oh, against Santa Ana, my family was at the core on both sides starting that because Santa Ana came to take the guns at Gonzales, Texas. Pierce. 
Don't try what your ancestors did before. Why don't you come to America? I'll take you out shooting. You can become an American and join the Republic. You finished? Yes, I am finished. You will not take my right. You go through background checks to get guns. How about Prozac? You know the number one. Oh, that's a big sponsor, isn't it? Or that whole class of drugs. Let me ask you a question. Oh, whoa, got to cut that off, don't you? No, don't want to talk about the U.S. number one cause of death okay. is suicide now because they give people suicide Calm mass down. murder pills. Calm down. Your answers give more money to the psychiatrist and psychologist let's, to put more crazy people on drugs that make them kill people, Pierce. Let's try and have a debate here. I think Alex made the point. Okay, so, so if true, you look, though. if he you watch, I, that's the problem. delivery. So that's what Monica says, whether he wanted to or not. And Alex Jones has made excuses for himself on this. And and that I'll make excuses for him. I can understand getting that riled up about that stuff. Yes, and Alex Jones said he was sick. You could hear it. He had a cold. He was hopped up on cold medicine. But whatever. That's a tank agent, basically. So this, the only reason I bring that up, so David Icke, I think someone like Monica might say- That's a taint agent. That's kind of what David Icke is. He's like, here's all this information. Here's everything. Here's all this truth. Also, did you know that lizard people live on Naboo or, or you know, whatever? <laughs> you know, it just says something where you're just like, you're, so you've brought the message and then you tainted it yourself, you know, by by making it seem yeah. nuts. Yeah. No, I think that's probably what's happening. I don't know if it happens on purpose or whatever. These people, you know, you just get a little out there. Because I think that's – it's interesting that you brought up Alex Jones in that clip specifically because I was watching his interview with presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. Very interesting event. Just oh, a presidential candidate to interview Alex Jones. Um, and he goes on there and he talks about that. And he also talks about Sandy Hook for a second too um, because – well, Vivek is like pushing him on, you know, things he got wrong and how he handles that. And but I thought Vivek was going to go this place that he didn't really go. But I thought Vivek was going to talk about what it means to be a reporter because he asked one like why Alex Jones is so interested in all this stuff. And Alex Jones kind of gives a non-answer, gets too worked up about some stuff. But then, you know, it sort of emerges that which I think is the truth is like he's just a curious person and he really is trying to get to the bottom of things. And he's encountered a lot of shit that people have said and like people in power push this nonsense and he knows it. And I think that that really bothers him. And uh, so he gets really worked up about this stuff. And so he's sort of like a journalist of some sort. So the, the kind of conclusion that emerges. Yeah. That was well, the other point I was going to make about Alex. I mean, about David Icke or Alex Jones is that people. So that's, so you get that clip for just as an example. And you think, you could, you can, you get it. You're like, okay, yeah, maybe that that will turn you off or something. You know, you sure, just see you that your whole and you go, whoa. The person on that, yeah. Now, if you listen to Alex Jones, you you can see how kind of like, I guess, important it is in, in a way because I remember his court case, Alex Jones, and people kept pointing out that the kind of were saying basically like the mainstream idea was don't trust this guy anyways, and even the conspiracy community because he his lawyer made the case in his court case that he's acting and that's like exculpatory in this in this but all his people that love him don't think he's acting they think he's legit and so that and but that seems like a a problem you know now you have to decide is he legit or is he acting what's going on but once but if you watch him for a couple hours you know watch a couple shows you start to get 
you see it on Joe Rogan, right? Like when he interviews Alex Jones, mm-hmm. you see that Rogan's like, whoa, 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 you just said it crazy. Can we talk about that? And he goes, okay, sure. Like, let's talk about it, whatever. They look it up. And then, and Joe Rogan's mentions a hundred times. We looked up all the shit that he kept saying that I kept telling him was crazy. And then he's just right all the time. So you, you begin to see that like, there is a degree of acting. He does do comical things. He is hyperbolic. He's he does get bombastic. Yes, of course. So therefore, it doesn't. It's not as problematic to say that he's kind of putting on a show and he's kind of not. You know, it does that doesn't contradict anymore once you get the yeah, person sure, as a whole. Sure, sure. So my point about David Icke is that's kind of what he does. So he goes, look at this thing here. Can you believe this? Oh my God, this, everything's horrible. This war, that war, this lizard people, that planet, this thing, that all these crazy, unbelievable black pilling things. He always ends from my experience of him in those long forms. He always ends with the solution. And for him, it's something like just to be short about it. You are, infinite awareness, infinite consciousness, part of this magical, mystical experience and world and everything. And that is the thing to know about you. And that is in some way the answer to all of the problems is that we, it's very, it's almost woo woo indigo child, you know, like we have, we're going to have to evolve into this, Mm. into our full, full kind of spiritual, emo- uh, emotional, whatever, intelligence of some kind. Yeah. And so there he- No, 100%. That he does offer a, a different color pill. I don't know what color that pill is, but it's like rainbow or something. <laughs> the magical sure. pill. <laughs> it's the magical ma- pill. It's, yeah. <laughs> David Icke is <laughs> Well, that one makes pill. you gay, but whatever, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the alphabet <laughs> Don't pill. take the rainbow pill. Or take the rainbow pill. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Um so yeah, well you... the other thing I was gonna say is so Alex Jones, he gets some stuff wrong and Vivette kind of pushes him, especially about the Sandy Hook stuff. And you can tell this is like a sensitive topic for Alex Jones because you get the sense that he kind of says this is what I get the sense of that he says yes, that he doesn't he knows that he's wrong, but he believes that he was correct and that there was some fishy stuff going on. Now, how wrong it was, who knows? Like maybe the details are not really what was fleshed out in court, you know, because obviously it was a defamation suit. So I, I can't, I actually can't believe that that court case, I, we're talking about Alex Jones instead of David Icke, but whatever. I can't believe that the, all that stuff went down because he was not, and, and other people probably did get in trouble. I don't know. But when that stuff started happening and the truth started or the whatever, the information started coming out, but there were. Related to the Sandy Hook incident. Wolfgang Halbig was the main guy that yeah. was really coming on Alex Jones and said he was the re- Alex Jones is like the guy on TV and he has on the guest and the guest says the thing and Alex Jones reacts to the thing. Wolfgang Halbig went deep, deep, deep. It was the stuff that he pointed out was weird. And I remember watching all these interviews, but there's the fact that that was the thing that got him so hard is so strange because it was so not straightforward. Yeah, well, there's no evidence of it. Like, even the public, what's supposed to be public camera footage of that incident doesn't exist, apparently. Like, it's supposed to be in the public record, and you can't find it. Like, they're literally like, it doesn't exist. Like, you can't have that. Even what they were showing on the news was counter was often contradicting what they said. 
you have the laughing father, you have the um, what Wolfgang Halberg was saying, the stonewalling, not being able to get any information, which he's done countless research projects like he was doing because this is what he does for a living is help school help school districts, you know, be safe because he was a, a old FBI guy, and this was just his kind of retirement job, and they wouldn't. He just had a, every experience he had along the way was different than every other one he'd ever had from legitimate problem. You know, so he was just like, oh, okay, I'll go research this one, find out what went wrong, figure out how to help, you know, incorporate that into my messaging and, and how I help these school districts. And they were like, we're not helping. We're not doing anything. Then the school was <clears throat> demolished. And there was a guy, Fritz Springmeier, very, I don't know what his deal is, very odd guy. I did email him one time. And when I was having a moment of psychosis and he did respond and then never responded again, but he, um, he had some really interesting information about the real estate in that area that someone needs to answer for. Like, it was just like, like a whole street of of unanswered questions. Total. But, 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 but just like the Jeffrey Epstein thing where you're like, no, I, I understand sensitive topic, but the, these couple guys have some questions and I don't know if they're right or right. wrong. No, I just want you to answer the thing. fucking question because they're asking I think this is how it them. works. Yeah, they use sensitive topics to sort of like shield the issue or something where it's suddenly – like that's why I'm saying the names. It's like, okay, if it's so sensitive, like let's say the names because that's really the point of all this. You know, and it's like – and then people, that's a controversial thing because – and even people like Kara Swisher though, like the most liberal person you know is saying things like show the bodies of soldiers that come back from war, like on the news. Like even she'll say that, like that that's really what we should be doing because we should get people to realize the reality of what's going on. And if that's the reality of what's going on, then then we should talk about that. But it's somehow the sensitivity of the issue is used to obscure all sorts of things, not just the names, but like we can't even answer questions about what's going on, like what happened to the tape footage, what hap- what, what's going on with this event, you know, all this stuff. And so anyway. It reminds me of our Cobalt Red episode. You know, it's like because that's the equivalent of showing showing the bodies maybe. You know, you think, oh, we're having a green energy and electric everything and saving the world. And then it's like, well, what about the slave and, and all that? Like, you why aren't you saying that? Why won't you really show is. us what yeah. really is going on? You only show this other fantasy that is actually literally a fantasy. Like, if you don't literally. show us Just the other stuff. randos <laughs> from the street commenting on the incident or whatever. Right. Whatever event. Um, but so this is my point about Alex Jones and David Icke as well, is that so yeah. he tries to get Alex Jones. And I think people take this as like, well, he's been wrong. And, you know, they use Sandy Hook as an example, which I don't even know to my point is like, I don't even know how wrong he was. You know, like how wrong is it? And what really were the facts? I don't know that we actually got to the bottom of anything, even though there was a case about it. But the case right. wasn't really about getting to the facts of the matter. The case was about defamation. So damages. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So. A bazillion the whole point there is like when you're, yeah, when you're doing investigative journalism, though, that's how it works. Like you're wrong sometimes because you're doing net new discovery on information. So it doesn't exist out there. There's no confirmation of what you're discovering when you're the first person to discover something. So, of course, you're going to be wrong sometimes. And that's just the nature of things. Now, and I think that that is how the you news is wrong all the time who like taints themselves. Yeah, exactly. But you can also be like a taint agent who like taints yourself by getting too out there or something. And I can see how that would just happen naturally. 
and that that's fine. But and to your point, though, about the news, I think that you have to accept, too, that the news is also doing that stuff. And the news and this was the point Vivek made in his interview with Alex Jones is that the way they handle it is very different. The news just doesn't address any of this. Like the news just sweeps all this under the rug and moves on. Like they don't even acknowledge that they were wrong about half this stuff. And then he's like, but people like Alex Jones, you know, one, they're not calling for anything. You know, like Alex Jones will like make a big show about like what's, you know, he's kind of just asking questions. So it's like literally like an investigative process. And then he goes on to do stuff. And so a lot of it is not, it's not like the government comes out and says news. So because news now X, now everyone stays in their home for three years and children don't go to school anymore. And blah, blah, blah. that's not what Alex Jones is doing. OK, Alex Jones doesn't have that kind of power. The government and the news organizations do. And somehow they get away with not even acknowledging that they were wrong. Alex Jones at least says like, OK, can change his mind about things and whatnot. And even admits today publicly that, you know, I was wrong about Sandy Hook. He said that on the interview. So, you know, the news won't even say that about pick your item, pick any item about anything, literally, like where they were wrong. So, yeah. And it might have just been. Yeah, 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 exactly. So but the, and now did you tell us what your so rabbit David hole Ike on David Icke was? I didn't really get to anywhere. My whole take was just that you get in there and you're like, what? It's like, what are you doing? Because. I felt it was just so dark. That was the problem to me, was that it was so depressing and dark that I didn't know what was the point. Like, I can see why people are turned off to this sort of stuff, despite the fact that certain elements of it might actually be illuminating or insightful about what's going on, because he does have interesting criticisms that you won't hear anyone else make, you know, about... Elon Musk, for example, like you hear all this mainstream media, oh, he's free speech, he's like pro-liberty, whatnot, and he's like, I mean, is it kind of surprising that Elon Musk is doing all of these businesses that the cult elite have said they wanted to do for years and years and years, and now suddenly he's in charge of all of them, and they're all named X? Like, what's going on, I mean, I, you know? <laughs> I think, but I think, I think David Icke is right about a lot of stuff, I'm not going to lie. No, I don't think – I think so too. I'm just saying I – maybe I'm just coming to the conclusion that he's a taint agent. Like he comes off so intense and it almost steers you away from him and I have a conflict inside of me where I'm like, I want to learn more about this, but you need to like bring us along somehow in a way that's not <laughs> – makes me want to just lay down in my bed and close my eyes and fall asleep or something and hope that all of this goes away. Um but yeah, I don't know. I I don't know a lot about David Icke, but yeah. I mean, you told us a little bit about him, but you've watched these documentaries and whatnot, long form David Icke content. And so I don't know. And I read this I just... ridiculous book. And some of it is crazy. Yeah. I am not going to lie. I mean, I don't know how much his ideas have evolved on this, but just for example, like he thinks <laughs> that the moon, you know, might be a spaceship or something. Oh my God. You know, or that the rings of Saturn are like shooting these crystal things out and they might be doing something weird. And like oh the, the, the moon is somehow interacting with the frequency coming from Saturn. Yeah. So and that's the other part of it. I think sometimes he says stuff like it's all like he, he uses this word like cult owned 
people, like the the cult. And th- that's like a filler word for me, for him, like that he uses to refer to anything that's this weird agenda. And this is my problem is I don't. Well, yeah, he doesn't he has like a whole defend in this book. OK, and he probably does other places, but he doesn't ever defend that statement. Like he doesn't ever provide evidence of like, here's what I'm talking about. Like, this is the cult. This is why I'm calling it a cult. This is how it operates, blah, 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 blah. And I never know, even if it is like a cult, where does it come from, though, is my question. Is it just subconscious? Are we really in a war of, like, principalities and whatnot in high places and dark places or something? Or is it legitimately a cabal of people doing crazy shit? Or is it both? Or, you know, I don't know. But that's the kind of stuff to me that when you just encounter him in passing, like I have, it's a little, like, whoa, what does that mean and that? Kind of the imprecision in his language about that makes me turned off. Yes. I think even the precision would probably turn you off on certain topics because like, <laughs> like the because, space rings or whatever. Yes. But he gets to those points. Some, there's a way he gets there, you know, and you can listen to it and read it and go, I see what you're saying. Hmm. Can't, you know, maybe it's not enough for you. He, it's enough for him in certain regards. There's a, just to give you an idea of some of the, this is in line with the cult theory. At chapter 11 in this Perception Deception, mm. the title is Saturn Society. So where we have, he goes into like the um, Babylonian sun gods, the second sun um, the star of David in the circle and the square, the just all sorts of, I mean, like Santa. I mean, just it, it's it's kind of crazy, but it's he. I think this is. Let me try to summarize David Icke just for you and the audience, whatever. Basically, that woo stuff comes from. If you want, it almost becomes a religion in a way. And it to and by that I mean you could take it literally, or you could take it allegorically. So the lizard people, for example, there's people out there that say lizard people means Jews. It does not mean that. And I'm sorry, there might be some people that mean that when they say it, but it's a minority of it of people that say lizard people and mean Jews. What they mean is there are literally people out there that think there are lizard people. And they think that they are shifting. David Icke used to be one of these people shifting on TV. You know, you could see it if you freeze frame, whatever, all this bullshit. But it could, the allegory for that is to basically, we are, we all know about like the lizard brain, like you're totally unemotional, you're cold blooded, you're, you're just a predator, you're, mm, you know, you're slimy, mm-hmm. you're, you're gross, you're a lizard person. And so when you see people like, when you see people like, uh, just as an example, I'm not saying anything. I'm just, but like Biden, and having all these business deals in Ukraine, and then under his presidency we have a war, and then we say it's Russia, and we got to do this and do that. And you're like, you could no. You I mean, could he allegorically was look in, at that and in be a like, hospital room into his vice presidency. I'm pretty sure, and there's a picture of him with his family in a hospital room after they had gone through this awful crash. Like, you have to sit and wonder what kind of person that is. Like, what kind of person poses next to your dismembered family that's suffering and says, this is a time for me to shine, to take a position of authority? It's just, 
incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. So David Icke takes that narrative and builds it physically as well as metaphorically. Yeah. Okay. So you you know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of like that Zeitgeist movie, a I little ancient aliens vibe where they go back and they go, look at this, 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 look at this. And then eventually you go, what is all that actually? What's that actually about? Well, that's, like Apple, yes, like exactly. The, even the, the, the Apple logo, you know, then it starts filling in. Let me use the Apple logo. It's the apple with a bite out of it, like the Garden of Eden. You have the- Right, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You have the black cubes everywhere, the Freemasonic stuff, and you start looking at their symbols, and you're like, why are all these symbols the same? Why, why is, is there so much it, Egyptian lore and pop music videos? Like, someone explain that to me. Or the Satan stuff, you know? So there's the uh, giant, there's a giant uh, cube outside the Brown Brothers Harriman building. The Jew, some Jews have this, uh, I think it's called a Tefillin, it's like a little bot black cube that they wear on their forehead. Um, there's all these weird architecture, like art things that are just cubes in different places. There's the black cube in Mecca. There's the cube in the in the, uh, the Borg cube from pop culture. There's the just so just so many things, and I think that. He, according to that black pill take that he has, you know, so you look at, he, you just, he's saying it. So you assume he must kind of believe, you know, it's all, he goes, he's just constantly looking, going, this is just absolutely insane. And you get, you can yeah. really start getting radical when you start going, if these people are as evil as I think they are, this is what they're going to do next. And then they do it. You know, when he got kicked off for talking about COVID and stuff and he's like, wow, I was, was I right? Like, what the fuck just happened? You know? And then half the stuff comes true. You go, yeah, because I'm right. You know, because what I think is true. And yeah. so I can predict it. And I, if we talked about this last episode, you know, where it's like, where did all these traditions come from? Santa Claus, Halloween, all you, you start well, to go. Exactly. It's just as crazy as just accepting it blindly to me. And so I can almost defend it. I just don't know. Like, I'm not read in, as they say, to all of this stuff, you know, and I he think, he believes it's almost biblical. Like he he has another chapter called Archon Blood, and then he has like the Archon religion, and it's like who are these Archons? And I think he kind of thinks it, it's some kind of bloodline. I mean, and then what's evidence for that? You look back, the royals are obsessed with their bloods for thousands and thousands for millennia. Even no matter which society, Greek, Roman, I mean, it's all like they all think they go back to some what's so special about the bloodlines they all think they go back to something other you know something almost inhuman like a like the line of jesus or the line of someone important the line of abraham mm -hmm. the line of the nephilim the line of, and you what you, you either go that's just crazy rich people or sure but it could even be true literally because there were different species of humans around before. That's what archaeologists tell us. There was Homo naledi and Homo sapiens and Homo uh, whatever, Heidelbergensis or whatever. Uh, yeah, so I think my, yeah, that's, I just think that he has formulated a, a, a kind of a world vision that helps, helps it make sense. And it makes sense to me that he would come to the conclusion that 
Mm. You're a human. You're a spiritual entity, just like this other stuff is spiritual in in nature. Why is it? Why is all the pop stuff that that is promoted is like hypersexual? It's satan- satanic imagery. Co- yes. oh, not covert, it has a pattern. This, yes, and and he's like so. There's so therefore obviously there's some kind of like spiritual dimension to this. And if you're sitting there as a regular person not being a pedophile, just being a normal individual, and then I tell you about Jeffrey Epstein and the this weird pedophile blackmail operation that has building on that island. <laughs> literally. And it involves all these hundreds of people and congressmen and CEOs. And you go, see how you're not like that? See how that's not you? There's something different about these people. That's I'm I'm not speaking for me. I'm speaking for David. I kind of you know there's yes, some, yeah. and you start to go no. There's something going on because you have the reaction you do. You go wait a minute. This is making me really upset. This is making me well see. But that's not how it feel gets like presented. Because I can go with you there, and I can go with David Ike there. I just think the way it comes across, maybe just on his Twitter, is not like that. It's not like. That's how the information is presented. Look at this. It's like, I told you, blah, blah, blah. These people were trying to kill everyone. And it just doesn't read you into what the cult is and whatnot. His son has become his manager. David Icke lives on the Isle of Wight, which I think is kind of a rich person's place to live. And he's done really well for himself. He's a famous footballer, famous TV presenter. Now he's a famous whatever the fuck he is. Sells hundreds of thousands of books. And I think, you know, at a certain level, some of those things that you had to do become routine and then they almost become like business practices. So I'll put out a tweet that'll get lots of views. you know, not that he's trying to formulate it to, to get those views, but that this is just how it goes. And then you pass off some of those responsibilities to your son, which he has. And sure. Sure. Yeah. No, I think there's something to what he's saying because I totally agree with all of that. And we don't know. Like, what is this story that we've been told that we're just supposed to believe is history? And where did all of this stuff come from? And even if it doesn't come from, like, someone in a literal sense, it has a spiritual dimension. And that's the kind of stuff that I guess I see him and Jordan Peterson kind of aligning on. And Jordan Peterson is maybe a more hopeful take, which is why I'm more drawn to him. I feel that he is trying to inspire people as opposed to, uh, I don't know, wake you up or something. Even, But I think a lot of that, too, is because Jordan Peterson isn't read into these issues like the way yeah. that David Icke has read into a lot of things. Exactly. Like, I think Jordan Peterson actually hasn't, like, literally hasn't looked into a lot of this stuff and just doesn't know and maybe would come to the same conclusions. He does not know about the Saturn moon matrix. That's... <laughs> he know, you know, he, he literally would be like, what are you talking about? Right, so, right. But I think he would be like, it's, it is spiritual. See, it's more right than I thought. And now it's actually coming real in this way and this way. And he would be like, oh, well, he's, he's doing already it with drunk the Bible. on symbols. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's doing it with the Bible. You know, you go, he's going, I don't know, there's something interesting about this. So, I mean, I think if you said, here, Peterson, watch this movie. It's called the Zeitgeist Addendum. And then watch uh, these 15 hours of David Icke and then, uh, you know, whatever, expose him to whatever needs to be exposed to. And he'd probably have the same experience. You go, hmm, I don't know what that is. There's something there. It's the same thing people are doing with the Bible right now. I mean, a lot of people are getting back to, you know, thinking about the Bible and they're like, hmm, 
I'm going to go see what that Bible thing says. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what's in there, but something seems interesting because things are getting weird. And I think it says that things would be weird in there. And, you know, you just kind of explore that topic, which is what he's doing. He's he, Peterson doesn't come across as a Christian to me. I, no, I would say he's not in the way that a normal quote unquote Christian does. Right. I, I, I my guess would be he's an atheist. But um, anyway, I, I had this. I wanted to pull this up. Uh, in other news, I heard about this. Other people have talked about it. I think I heard about it on the No Agenda show. They were making the point, like, we told you. But this is, I just think this is interesting on its own. And I have a strong feeling that the science corner of the All In podcast will be covering this next time. They have an episode. The headline here is, New Vaccine for Cocaine Addiction Under Development Would Stop Users from Getting High. Oh, my God. I love this. I feel like it's like the Ozempic stuff. We're taking, we're getting rid of people's addictions now. It's incredible. It's just well, incredible. The no guys, they made this point, and I thought it's the only point to make. But they didn't take it far enough. But who, who's going to take this? If you take cocaine because you like cocaine, why would you take a vaccine that makes the cocaine not work? So they need so <laughs> I mean, that's a good plan. I mean, but maybe so there's people who want to quit cocaine use. I don't know. I'm not but that adept. That's in I mean, usage. this there's so many levels to this. One level for me thinking about this is if you as someone who knows what it's like to be on drugs, pretty good, you know, almost in a problematic fashion. Um, that's not how you stop doing drugs. There's something fishy about this concept of developing this drug. Well, now everything is a vaccine. I don't understand it. it. Doesn't even make sense. That's not how you deal with drug addiction. Yeah. It's like as if drug addictions are caused by viruses, which they're not. So it doesn't make but sense. But it's not it's not a biologic. So it's not really a vaccine. It's stupid that they're calling it a vaccine. But there's this is a sign of something. I don't know what the sign is. But the people who will be taking this will not be taking this voluntarily. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> like the COVID vaccines. Well, in a different way, because I'm just saying, th think it through. Who's going to take this? If There's two kinds of drug addiction. If you get on opiates, it's very, and you're physically addicted. The withdrawal symptoms can be physically difficult, very uncomfortable mm -hmm. if you get on alcohol or bar or like barbiturate type things xanax which are benzodiazepines things like that those types of sedatives only alcohol and those types of uh sedative narcotics will kill you coming off of them those are the only two that are that dangerous coming off a of heroin very painful won't kill you so a lot of times they won't help in like a real intensive rehab they won't actually give you anything they just let you lay in a bed for you don't have to participate you just stay there till you're done mm. so this vaccine they're going to give you the vaccine okay whatever people aren't going to be taking it uh i don't know voluntarily whatever you would say yeah it's well so they're going to be forcing it on people whatever who cares give me 10 of them there's also the notion that you can that this is going to be helpful 
No, you're not going to deal with it from the vaccine. Of course not. I mean, it's like Ozempic. It doesn't work either. Like you still have the eating problem. If you don't change your actual patterns of diet and exercise, you have to be on Ozempic forever. And when you come off, you're going to gain all yeah. the weight back unless things have meaningfully changed. And that's not a conspiracy take. That's just how that works because that's what your body weight is. It's a reflection of your your lifestyle. So, well, there's this um, – have you seen – you know American Horror Story? There's also a show called American Horror Stories – Oh. And they just put one out of, and it's clearly about Ozempic. Of course. And uh, of it's course. about this model trying to lose weight, and then she ends up taking a tapeworm. And it's a whole thing. But, um, oh, I have heard that is a thing, actually. Tapeworms or whatever. People will get it's tapeworms crazy. to lose weight. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a whole nother level of something. I don't know what that is. But, yeah. No, the only last thing I wanted to say, just to hammer that point home, is uh, talking about all the David Icke stuff. I mean, that one point I felt like is the craziest thing is that you have to look at these people and go, yeah, don't you think like that would not be something you would do? Like, isn't that really truly crazy? Isn't it almost difficult to accept that there could be a human being that would do that? Like, I look at Jeffrey Epstein's island and for me, it's that building. It's that square cube looking Egyptian building. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. You'll just wonder, what is this? It's like looking at the pyramids of Egypt and being like, who built these? Like, I don't, I can't understand. Something really weird must be going on because that, we would not do that today. Imagine the pyramids not weathered by thousands of years. Like how pristine... They used to be Captain white gold. and have a gold top. Yeah, Gold. I mean, that was some modern shit. It was wild. Like, it was wild. We don't, it's crazy. So we don't do that. What's going we don't on do there? That. What Who is happening? Who did that? Yeah. Who made those pyramids? <laughs> it wasn't aliens. That's the other thing, though, with the symbolicness of, you know, like aliens versus Nephilim and giants, you know, what's the line here? Like, are we just saying different words for the same thing? You know what I mean? It's mm. something odd going on there. I, um, yeah, I, speaking on that point you just made, I, I want, I thought it would be a fun exploration and maybe we could do this intellectually. I don't know. Would be to consider <laughs> the, for lack of a better term, morality of rich people, like the, 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 the highest level versus mm, yes. like the average. And because I started, I had this moment of, I don't know if it's clarity, it's just an odd thought occurred to me where I was thinking, are those that just, I entertain the idea that it's possible those people are acting morally based upon like position or geography or something. I, oh. I, I haven't thought about it. That's why I'm not. I don't want to, I'm not standing by anything I'm saying. I'm yeah. just saying it would be an interesting thing to explore because what what do you do when you are, I don't know, when you are, it's kind of like thinking about what, what what do you do when you're a general, a four-star general in the army and all you do all day is think about problems in other countries that affect, you know what I mean? Everything starts to, yeah. that's your world, you know? it. So what do you do if you're like Elon Musk, type of money or you know that you have the kind of money like those rich fuckers on all in we know we kind of have the money to sort of make or break people to like make kings of course they do yeah no the, i don't i mean it's so 
That's <laughs> such a touchy issue, I guess. I don't want to go off about it, but I, yeah, I have lots of thoughts about this morality of rich people because, like, the all-in people, for example, it, I cannot stand when rich people talk about salaries of working class people. Like the rich people on all in these business tycoons were like, well, you know, what's really going to have to happen with these tech companies are they really going to have to lay everyone off and start cutting salaries. And I was like, this is, is privilege. That is a privileged position to have. Like people working in these tech companies are just making it. You know, like they can barely afford their mortgages. They can barely afford their families. Like whatever they're doing, they're just making it, you know? You are over here like, yeah, we should just mm, maybe have a little less of that. Yeah, we can't really can't really afford it anymore. I couldn't possibly spare an extra billy that I've got sitting in the bank doing nothing. Um, yeah, you're probably just going to have to starve. Or like the thing dad texted us about recently that was like, oh, this billionaire predicts global famine's coming. It's just like, yeah, global famine's coming. It's really looking bad out there. Yeah, I'm going to be bad for all you poor people. Sorry. Yeah, anyway... <laughs> yeah, I predicted that too. I told you there's some reason they got all obsessed with refrigeration when COVID hit and it wasn't <laughs> for the vaccines. So I don't know what that was about, but it was about something. And it's I know ridiculous. one thing that I, the only thing I put in my refrigerator is food. So, well, because I mean, you have the power as a billionaire to fix these problems. Like, that's what money is. You could leverage, you could use the money to start solving these problems, make farming happen, you know, pay the people to do it, invest in the community, blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah, that that never happens. And so, I mean, I just think these people are grossly corrupt. They're grossly corrupt and they're bad people. And honestly, I don't think, because you can be like, oh, well, you just happen to be a person of billions. No, no one's born with a billion dollars. You don't just wake up as a baby and you just have billions of dollars. No, you get to having billions of dollars as an adult. And then you decide somehow that you are a, a prick. You know, you, you kind of like our prick when you're in high school and you like think you know it all. And then you go out into the real world and you're like, oh, I don't know shit and I don't have a job and no one's going to just hand me anything. Well, when you don't have that experience, you can just go on being a prick and tell everybody what they should do and have this weird kind of luxury beliefs about everything. And uh, yeah, and you never give your money away. That's the other thing. It would be like, if I had a billion dollars, the thing you should do is start building things immediately. Is start investing, give the money away, but build things. Like be like, look, if you're going to take a moral position, be like, we need farms. We need, we have all these problems, you know, just start businesses for those things and just pay the people to solve them. You know, that is a way to give money away in a productive way. That's not just like rain money from the sky, hand it to all these corrupt nonprofit organizations or the government or whatever, you could actually productively use that economy. But instead, they're investing in businesses that, what, only make them money as investor class people? It's just ridiculous because they're investing in things like other another tech startup, another dashboard, another web page that we're all going to have to pay money yes. to use. They they admit they, they're looking for the one, they're willing to lose the money into the ether it, because what they're doing is looking for the one they usually they literally say the word unicorn. <laughs> literally, they're looking for these, and they also another point that you made, but I'll point out that they they do at least make the point in that podcast of billionaires to say that there is something to the people that they do fund, and that there's 
I'm not saying we're not saying there's no talent in like being able to be a business owner to run a business and no. to be. But Adam like Newman, like, you have to people be, like Adam Newman, the founder well, of WeWork, yeah. is corrupt right, as right. hell. Is corrupt, right? Corrupt, corrupt to the period. Like you cannot be more corrupt. You cannot run a bigger scam on people at a larger scale. That was, that was it. You know, like you can't be more corrupt. I'm sorry. A show that we just watched that you might like it explores some of this. It's by this guy, Mike Flanagan, I think is his name. And he's pretty big, I guess, in like the horror stuff. And I, my opinion is some of his stuff is a little, it, he's good with some symbolism, but his, some of the stuff is way too on the nose for my taste. So just as like an example, like there's a, something as a component to the show that's very much drawing from like the opioid big business blah 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 like you know i'm like don't Uh-oh. do that like that's it's too on the nose for me but <laughs> I've already they explore a million times but it's the the movie or the show is called the fall of the house of usher and it's it's a family a really rich family basically and it shows how they get to power because they're nobodies and then they become somebodies i don't want to spoil it because maybe you should watch it and by the end who who pays the price? How do they pay the price? Does anyone go to jail? Does anyone get caught? You know, oh all God. of that is kind of explored. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty, it's thought provoking, not interesting, but it's thought provoking yeah. enough. And Kim, maybe we should do this. Kim thinks that I am like, I have a natural skill to, that she doesn't have, I guess, is why she thinks this is a skill. I don't know if this is a skill really, <laughs> but to be able to read something or to watch a show or whatever, and then somebody, you try to tell someone about it, she can't really do that. So she thinks it's a skill that I'm able to just, here's the show. I could tell you, I could give you the highlights, <laughs> the hot takes, the points, what the plot was, the setting. You know, I could just tell Great. it to you okay. pretty quickly. And then I have all these, I also can't wa- just watch a show passively. So I'm like thinking the whole time. I'm like, oh, this isn't that, or this is blah, 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 blah. So she's always trying to tell me, I sh- she says I should do it, but I'm like, maybe I'll just incorporate it into this. Like we could do a version like a once a week or something that would be an easy where we just literally watch TV <laughs> or read something <laughs> and just do kind of a pop culture, heavy on the culture analysis okay, of sure, some of the yeah. stuff. Yeah, we should do that. No, and we got to come back to this rich person thing because I have so much to rag about rich people. Um they just bother me. They bother me. And we know, we know that you want to hold on to power. That's a tale as old as time. It's a basic psychological fact. I mean, Jordan Peterson details it with the lobsters. When lobster, I mean, they have hierarchies. And when the lobsters fall down from the hierarchy, you know what has to happen? The lobsters have to create a whole new brain. Their brain literally dissolves and they create a whole new brain. They create a whole new brain. We have obviously a very different brain, but rudimentary, it's got some of the same mechanics going on. So obviously people are very well, sensitive. Collectively, it seems to be ex- dissolving currently on a yeah. collective scale. <laughs> exactly. So. And we've got some of the same mechanisms. And you know, too, people, this is another finding from economic research, very more on the nose, we don't even have to go to the analogy, is loss aversion. People, when you take gains and losses of equal size, people are more averse to the gains or people are more averse to the losses. And obviously. so, yeah, obviously it's more, they're more sensitive. It feels like 
you know, it's more intense the loss of X amount versus the gain of X amount. You much if given the choice, yeah. Finding twenty dollars on the sidewalk is nice, but the level of how nice it is is not the same level of how bad it is to reach in your pocket and realize that you dropped twenty dollars on the sidewalk somewhere and you'll never get it back. Right. And if given the choice, which of the two would you like to have happen, you would choose not to lose not the twenty dollars. Yes. Right. And that's versus... a basic fact. And so you think about these billionaires, of course they're trying to not lose their societal position, their status and whatnot. And that's a problem. That is a capital P problem. Okay. That's a big well, what problem. happens is it becomes it starts to look, and this isn't this is part of the analysis we should like do sometime. But like it starts to look weird when I don't even know how to say it. Like it just it's something. It's there's something odd. First of all, when I want to say two things at the same time. They seem disconnected. I don't think that's controversial. Like you like you're they like have luxury totally disconnected from reality about everything, right. right? So, but then there's I'm thinking of uh, the the emotional one. I can't remember his name. Friedberg. That's it. And uh, they there's something is the word cringe. I I guess I'll just say cringe. They are about, cringe about when they get like moralistic. You know, like. Like he couldn't be part of the podcast because he's too emotional about Hamas or something. It's like, it's oh so my cringe. God. It's so cringe. You have enough money, you could solve the Hamas conflict tonight. You could ship every person in Palestine out of there tonight. That's how much money you have. Okay, so don't tell me that this is a big issue for you. Your life is so comfortable too that it doesn't make sense that, like, average everyday working Americans who, if shit hits the fan, will actually be affected. They can still go to work and talk and speak and live, but you, rich prince on a hill, hears news of a bad thing, and I can't even, I can't even countenance the I can't podcast even talk today about it because I'm so emotional about the situation and. My God, it's a performance. It's a performance. It's so, so there's something odd, but I actually. I think to a certain level. They're delusional. I think it's authentic, but they're just delusional. Right. Exactly. There's something odd about it. Yeah. And and if they did have, if you were someone who was predisposed to having such emotional responses, there's a lot of emotional things that you could experience that are right there in your backyard. Yeah, literally. Not in Israel, you know. Literally. So, I don't know. Maybe something, something... It's cringe. It's gross. It's, it's weird. It's cringe. It's completely cringe. But I think they think the same thing about us. Like they the, think we're cringe. We're yeah. cringe and gross and yeah. like, what What are you doing with your lives? No, you know? I hate this. This is the last thing I'll say. Okay, for real. Because I hate this whole startup culture because they want to invest in all these startups and blah, blah, blah. They talk about investing in the founders and these people who are like really grinding and doing it away, you know, working the night hours, living in their offices, not sleeping. And these people to me, the actual people who do that kind of shit, I've met these people. I've talked to them. I know them. They are scammers. Like, they're shills. Like, these are people who want to be millionaires, okay? The ones that are sleeping in their offices. Yes, the, the ones the that these founder billionaire people are investing, the founders that these billionaires are investing in. They're shills. Like, they are trying to make a million dollars quick. They're trying to get rich quick. That's what that is, okay? That's what that Amer American horror story is with the tapeworm. That That's 
fully and in the fall of the house of usher it's like thoroughly explored it, well it's okay it's definitely explored i don't know about thoroughly the fact that in the american horror stories it's about a model and the lady's like you're amazing you got exactly what it takes and she's like what size clothes like i'm not going to sign you though what size are you a two and she goes i'm a four and she goes yeah you're too fat okay so what's the the moral that takes place in that small little arc there is that this girl goes and gets on whatever ozempic basically loses the weight and it's like the american dream right like i'll do whatever it takes and so that's the real thing you know that's the real thing that you'll be I'm not saying that it, I'm, look, there's two par- parties here. There's the person who will do whatever it takes. And then there's the kingmaker who doesn't say, I need a good idea. I need someone who's got it, who has the best look, who has the best idea, because I'm still not going to hire you because you're not a psychopath. And what I'm really looking for is I'd love to have a psychopath that has the star power that you have. But if you don't have the psychopath, the star power is not enough. I actually need psychopathy. I actually yes, need you to, go, to be willing to sleep on the floor. And I'm, in fact, that's exactly what I'm looking for. They I'm select looking for, for it. someone, like, literally, that's what they, I don't think they care. I mean, no. that's probably the Elizabeth Holmes story. I mean, she never showed anyone anything. No, and that's totally acceptable in the community. That's totally fine. That is how that works. They were thinking this girl is crazy and is going to do whatever it takes. Yes. I mean, how you go to a startup website and they all have like used by Microsoft, used by Google. That's lies. Okay. It's lies. When they say they go in there and that we have 100,000 customers, it's lies. It's just straight up like that's how it works. That's just common practice. Okay. (laughs) And that's how it works. Oh, she's not in here. I wanted to share this with you. So there is a, I'm just going to give you what I can remember. It is from my perspective, it's crazy. I cannot believe, like it is so entertaining to just watch this from afar. There was a girl one time, she was young, maybe in her twenties. She was a model. She went to work where Kim works as a marketing employee of some kind. I don't know what her job was. Nobody knows what her job was. She was fired as soon as they could. They were like putting, okay, so they put her in one group. Everyone was like, we can't handle this girl. Get her out of here. She went somewhere else to another group. Eventually, this just didn't work out. I don't even know if she made it a year. She was just kind of a, she was like quickly, you know, within a year making PowerPoint presentations to present about all her accomplishments and how she should get a raise and all, all this stuff, you know, just oh, wild, God. wild. Because <laughs> like you, you haven't done, like you haven't even been like. Yeah, exactly. We don't have to explain it. Yeah. Overly people know these kinds of people now. So she gets fired and she's done so many things. We've watched so many things. You know, she was, she made a website where you could pay her like a thousand dollars and she would be like a coach and like help you have the successes that she's had, which she has had no success. Easter egg. No successes. None. Nothing. Uh, Crazy. Crazy. Now, now she's, it turns out she has a speech and she, sorry, it's, I can't believe this. So she, apparently the background is she is going to give a speech in a gym to like a school and just say 
whatever words <laughs> dur- oh during some probably before the bell no rings for the, the schools first are class. Defunct. This is who we have coming to speak to the children. And she on her thing that you so she makes this whole post and or whatever on her whatever it is where she's writing. I've done this. I've done that. And she writes that she was leader or led a market product marketing team oh my God. for a $80 billion or $60 billion company. Welcome to by corporate the way, resumes. By the way, this is everybody's doing this. It's so fake, scammy. That point, she's talking about when she worked for the company that Kim works for. Right. That everyone hated her at. I know tons of people like this. This is what corporate is, Mr. A. She was like the lowest level corporate employee yes. you could imagine. She yes. was not la- she was not the head of product no. marketing for a sixty billion dollar no. global company. That is not what this girl was. This happened she all writes the time. That, this is so pervasive. This is not so an isolated event. And the delusion is great. That's why I'm like I told Kim, I'm like, we have to follow. No, this these people life, are delusional. This is so crazy. Because I'm thinking, first and they of end all, up in power. They end up in power. Let me just literally. Tell you. That's they what I'm saying. What if she? What if this works for that? It what does if work. It, works. it does work it's because the humble crazy. people don't lie and they don't get picked out of the stack of resumes. The idiot HR people who don't know anything about anything who are selected for the job just on a base of checklist that they look for keywords in the resume because that's all they know about the job because they don't actually do the job. They say, oh my God, $80 billion product marketing leader, let's bring this girl on. And then she becomes the leader of a team. She hires a bunch of people. Everyone hates her or they're idiots and they love her and they don't do any work and the company goes downhill and it's all uh, you know, a wash after that. And that's how it works and that's how it goes. And it's really sad and disappointing and I'm sorry, but that's corporate culture in America today. And, uh, it's and I don't think anybody actually i don't think anybody if you said if so let's imagine she does whatever whatever you could go to the school you could go to wherever she works next and say hey see this thing on her resume this is not true i can tell you what this actually is and they would go because hr has eliminated personal references they say you can't do personal references they're biased and they're awful now and that's the one thing that really you can really find out if someone's a good hire is by talking to someone that they worked with because sometimes you might get shitty people you know like you might get the actual you get the other way around you you're talking to someone qualified you're trying to interview someone qualified you talk to someone who's really shitty and they say bad things about the qualified person but the idea is that you wouldn't get everyone say bad things about the qualified person but with a shitty person everyone will say bad things and but now you can't do that hr has eliminated exactly well i was going to say on the other hand like you're saying these people that are doing the hiring in the first place or whatever they are also they're the same kind of person in a way because they're they're yes. also delusional because if what you sh- because I read what she wrote and I'm thinking she's in, she it's like she's admitting a lie basically so she's saying I've done I was if you're the product marketing guru at a 60 billion dollar global company you have arrived okay <laughs> your dream she says this though that her dream what she even though i x y and z <laughs> my dream and my dream was always and she to 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 give speeches in a gymnasium so now i'm finding like no it wasn't if any of those references that you're putting in there were true that's where you would be oh my God, because yeah. that means you were making a quarter <sighs> so to true. a half million dollars a year and now you're doing a f- probably free gymnasium talk or even if they're giving you five to ten grand 
It's the biggest single paycheck you've ever gotten in your life. Hey, she's and that's, hustling. She's doing all she knows how to do. And I but I'm saying the hi- the person hiring her <laughs> should look at that and go, "Yes, hey, we're only paying her five hundred dollars to come they talk to these middle school also kids." That person. Exactly. They go, "I believe this because it's because I'm delusional too." Yeah, a hundred percent. No, it's crazy. It's and this is what I was gonna say back about the founders. So these founders get selected for their delusionality or whatever you want to call it, their delusion. And uh, what you really need to make startups work, you want to know how startups actually work? You want to know how businesses actually work? A lot of really competent, hardworking people who don't ask for too much and are really humble and don't want to be in the spotlight and make all of the shit happen. And you know who those people aren't? The CEO. And so that's how the world actually works, is a bunch of people who aren't delusional, who make everything happen. But those people don't get rewarded for any of that. We have a system that rewards your delusion and your incompetence and your lack of any real skill or contribution. And that's what frustrates the hell out of me every day, all day long, working in the It's the Jobs-Wozniak dichotomy, you know? Yes. Anyone that's worth their weight in it within the technical industry that actually has technical skill knows that it was Steve Wozniak, which is how come you could fire Steve Jobs over and over again. Right. You could literally it, fire because, him, bring him back. Because yeah. there was a guy that the guy that made it was the guy that made it, and the guy that sold it was the guy that you saw on TV. You know, it, yeah. he's not but that's the delusion that they live under. That's what's funny is that some most of these rich people I think actually think no, it was Steve Jobs. And in, in, in a way, that's true. And in a way, that's sad because what they're admitting is a lot of this is really just a different kind of smarts. It's not actually making something. It's it's figuring out how to sell it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's well, different. It's, yes, yes, 100%. And the competent people would, I think – Often, the what I like to call the dutiful people in society, which you actually need a lot of, like conscientiousness most, has to you be need very most of the, prevalent in that. society. Yes. Right. You need mostly dutiful people. Otherwise, your society will completely collapse into chaos. Uh, they would naturally sort themselves, those people, into other more productive, literally more productive things. I think they would be, if the incentives were there, they would be teachers and policemen and firefighters and they would be farmers and, you know, just whatever, like actually productive things. But that's not where the money is. The delusional people who want to run society, the psychopaths who are like, I have a vision for what society could be. And I'm going to get billions of people to give me billions of dollars so that we can make it happen. Their vision is not just an, a better, more peaceful, more productive. Their vision is like me being a billionaire, being in charge of a global company making statements, and living a luxurious life. That's their vision. That's literally their vision. Their vision is not a better world. So these billionaires who talk about, I'm you know, I'm looking for people with a vision who really want to improve the world. Nobody that they fund has that vision of the world, okay? The, the only person I've ever speak competently about that is someone like Jordan Peterson, okay? Those people who are running those businesses, their vision of the world is all about them. It's not about them. Right. <laughs> But I think they actually have a delusion that it's not as they're not as bad as we know they are. That, that too, you'll that, yeah. Well, you'll see that. That's what I think is interesting to explore. So you'll see that in the Follow the House Usher at the in like the very last episode or two. They you start getting these kind of just dialogues from 
I'm going to start that over. You start getting these dialogues. I didn't say like <laughs> where members, the kind of main members of the family start giving their like these these monologues and there's a rebuttal that comes after them, which is why I think it's too on the nose because Flanagan, the guy that write it, write, writes it, you know, get, kind of gives you the answer he wants you to have. I like a little bit more let me think about it kind of vibe. But the rich family members kind of give their reasoning or their excuse or their thinking. And he does a pretty good job Fantastic. at giving giving one that you, where you're like, hmm. You hear rich people say that, which is like, well, everybody wants me to fail or like, what am I supposed, everybody's always asking me for money. Everybody always, you know, begging me for shit. And it's like, yeah, because you don't deserve it. If you right. deserve it, business of, people would you're in the think business you're of a having fraud. Money. Yeah. Right. And, and that's your whole business. I mean, that's what it is to be. And what, what bajillionaire. Venture capitalist, yeah, venture capitalist, billionaire, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. And yeah, if you are competent, though, and you rose to the top of the hierarchy naturally, you don't get that kind of shit because people are like, you know what? I like a good king. You know, I like that you're in charge, actually. You know, sometimes I don't like what you do, but I, you know, I like you. I like that you are running this place. And I have had that. That's when you have a good manager. That's when you have a good CEO. That's when you have a good parent. That's when you have a good mediator or leader of your team or sport or whatever. You want the head football player, coach, whatever, quarterback person to be really fucking awesome. Okay. And you actually like when they're the quarterback. You're like, you know what? Keep doing that. You know what? And you can take some extra because we really appreciate you. And I like being on a winning team. I have a family member who was a pretty famous football coach. And when I first met, so they married my grandmother after my other group and her dad. So I, mm. I kind of met him, you know. And so when the first time I met him and I knew all this about him, I was just thinking, how? Because he's so plain. Like he's a Christian Southern. How what? How is he a bit rich? Or I mean, he was a football coach of a major university, you know? So oh, it's how like, did he become that? Oh, okay. You know, you'd think that that was some, I don't know how rich this guy, he doesn't come across as rich at all, actually. He doesn't mm. seem, he might be poor. I don't know. I can't tell. But my guess would be he's unfathomably rich. But you can't tell that. Yeah. He's so, he's totally normal. He can have a conversation with anybody. He this doesn't have anything really extravagant is. at yes. all. And he's yes. just a nice, and, and he's been lambasted before because he is just like, a good old boy Christian type Southern dude that's just really, you know, he just really believes in teamwork and things like that. He actually has, that's the Georgia accent. Oh, he has an Arkansas accent. It's a little different, but it's, that's how uh, it works. You know, though. That's how the real world works. When I was in music, you had conductors that were conductors of really great bands because as much as people will say, <laughs> the conductor really does make the band. Okay. And uh, as much as people say otherwise, but you have some really, the best ones were always really humble. You know, they're just people who are like really freaking normal and didn't say much. I mean, you have some eccentric people because that's like what music is kind of a lot of times. But uh, the ones who are like out there showing you everything and doing all the things, oftentimes they're psychopaths. They're literally psychopaths where it's all about them standing in front of the ensemble. They literally think that like it's them making the music. And it's like, okay, that's a little too far. Like, yes, you do yeah. help facilitate this, but you do not play the instrument. Okay. <laughs> and you and I bet you have that quality. Just speaking of football coaches, by the way, or whatever you know, maybe band. I don't know, but where 
there's something so kind of fundamental maybe or carnal or whatever where where actually yeah, I mean what are you doing you're like making a team work together and it can't be fake because you're gonna have to face another team you're gonna have to or and band <laughs> or whatever you're gonna have to be better than the other ones to get so what Matt and when it comes down to that actually stardom fame none of that really comes into play what comes into play is did it work were you a good coach and so it's like the maybe it's the values because that's what it seems like this guy yeah, has to me. Like he seems like I'm like how I'm thinking to myself, how would he coach? And I I could just imagine he's in there going, you know, let's have a prayer before we do this, and you know, it's all about teamwork, and you know, we want to win, and what matters is that you know we've all got like that's just his whole vibe. Yeah, it inspires is like the, you. You got to have and it that. Does, it that's works. what really works. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you wouldn't trade and you wouldn't trade him away for a Steve Jobs because I. I don't know. I mean, this guy's doing a good job. You know, he, this is working. We're going to pay him a hundred million dollars a year because it works, even though we found him in some backwoods high school coaching some yeah. other team. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't no, that's know. What I, I, maybe he's just good at hiding it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, that's what I like to call the high long road or the whatever, the high long hard high road, road because it's the harder way. The easy way to get shit done to coach is to do it by fear or whatever and just demand excellence out of people. And there's a lot of band directors that were praised for that and did have good bands. But I think you know? the harder way, the better way is to inspire people and the people who actually realize I don't need to scare you into playing well. If I could touch that deep part of you that makes you want to do something really excellent for you and for your life and for this community, then that's going to be way more powerful than me coming in here and making you feel afraid to play in an ensemble. And that's so pervasive in the music community. And I've met just a very, very few handful of people who are what I just described, where you can actually inspire people. And uh, those are the real ones. Those are, that's... That's that's the real high road, and I feel like it's so rare. And that's who you want in charge, though. Yeah, and maybe I know we've gone for hours. So I'll just but maybe my last thing on this, but the this probably is a thing that's affecting our society in a bad way. It, it may even be part of the cause of like the mental anxiety, mm. health crisis, whatever. Where we those those people taking those roads would be great role models, but you don't see them because they're right. not out there every day going, look at me, look at me. I have a podcast. I'm doing this. I'm changing the world. I'm, I'm Gary Vanderchuk. <laughs> because, and people, cause they're visible and exactly. we see them. And then everybody like this girl that worked with Kim thinks that's, well, all I see, all I see them doing is self-promotion. All I see so them doing true. is yeah. trying to get on top of everything. And then you go and do that and you realize that when it when push comes to shove doesn't it doesn't work that's why you did actually work for a 60 million dollar global corporation you could have done a really good job you could still be working there and you probably if you were really good like kim you could have like four five six seven eight nine raises by now you know be making a lot more than you were when you started and a lot more than you ever thought you would make but you're you're busy not doing the hard work right, and you're busy you making powerpoints about how great you are and it's such a and then because i think this girl's either going to crash and burn or it'll somehow by fluke work out for she'll her. find a parasitic Pro niche yeah yeah but probably or someone or, or the they'll two? just go your talent is some is like this boring self-promotion thing but you'll you'll always be 
you know, a face. It's why you didn't used to hear a lot about Ron Paul or Rand Paul, but you hear all the time about these grandstanding politicians who you 100%. feel like when it comes down to it, they're just they're they just talk. They don't do any. They don't. They're just on whatever's trendy or you right. know whatever. They're well, I don't know just what they're being doing. seen. Yes. And they probably have handlers, which is like Joe Biden. He's a gazillion years old and he, he seems confused and stuff or or whatever. Name your Mitch McConnell, you know, like like stroking out all over the place or <laughs> or that other guy that literally had a stroke and can't even make sentences. And like the, those aren't effective people. Those are people that have something that somebody behind them wants. And that's the attention of others. Yes, we just 100%. need you to yeah. be the face. No, I mean to be fair, I think Steve Jobs was the kind of person that I was just describing who uses fear to motivate people. Yeah, I think he was I very well demanding. Yeah. but I think that works. It's unfortunately true that that does produce great results, and I do think he was fairly effective at operating that way. But I don't think he was a good leader, and even he said that. Even he was on his deathbed saying, "I wish I had been kinder to people," and really, none of that actually mattered. So I like so I don't know what you say about all that and yeah. Anyway, anyway, no, I mean it's just crazy. The corporate world is ruled by nonsense seemingly half the time, and the people who actually uh, do the work, you know, who aren't self-promoting, who are dutiful and conscientious and humble, you know, they're not the ones that you see all the time. And unfortunately, uh, sometimes the people you do see, that's all they're doing. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, just as a side note, I am going on my first, I don't know what, job with Chris. Oh, man. The guy. So that's tomorrow, which I have to keep reminding myself that's coming up because I keep forgetting. But so that, who knows what that'll be. But he even said he'd pay me, which I was not expecting at all. So I'm like, okay, sure. I don't know if it'll be worth it. You could just tell me what, apparently he thinks I'll actually be helpful. I'm like, I I don't even know what your job is called. <laughs> so, but, but okay, <laughs> let's do it. I'm ready. Okay. I don't know what my job is called. This so, yeah. is great. Okay. Well, we'll have, I'll have something to report. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next time. Okay. All right. We're out of here. Bye.